I want to thank Pastor Lawson for that message. That was wonderful. Thank you. That inspired me. All right, we're going to hear uh, Wendell Parr, but I wanted to make an announcement. After this session, we are going to uh, serve all of our guests a, a nice lunch. So at the end of this session, we will meet over in the break room, and uh, there won't be a line forming. We want you to take a seat, and then we'll bless the food, let you know what's going on, and have our little program. And what we're going to talk about in there is we're going to talk some more details on the school and uh, just share some of that information and also have opportunity for you to ask any question that you want and hopefully we'll give you the right answer and uh, just have it more of an information uh, session at that lunch. So that's what we are going to do. And um, what I want to do right now is I want to introduce Beth Lant. She is our registrar for this school. So let's give a warm welcome to Beth and have her greet you. Hello, everyone. It's so good to see you. I've talked to so many of you on the phone, and it's so wonderful to see all your beautiful faces, handsome faces here. So I just wanted to let you know who I am so you can see, and I'm available to answer any questions you might have. I know there's a myriad of questions that you may have. So I'm available. I'm around. Please come to me, and I will answer those questions. We'll also do a little bit of a Q&A at the luncheon, as Gary said. So would you like to introduce your dear friend? <laughs> Wendell wasn't sure he wanted me to introduce him. But I first met Wendell when he came to a minister's conference at Buena Vista that we were holding in 1989, I believe. Pastor Bob Yandian, pastor in uh, Fort Worth, T I mean Bob Yandian, Bob Nichols, pastor in Fort Worth, uh, Texas kind of bribed Wendell to come. Wendell didn't want to come to any more ministers' conferences. He was tired of them. But uh, he came, and that's where I first met Wendell and Linda, and uh, we became good friends. I went and ministered at his church. And then when the Lord told me to start this school, um, we had Don Crow at the time that was a part of our ministry, and he was going to be an instructor. I was going to be an instructor, but we needed... Another one, and I prayed, and God just pointed Wendell out to me out of all of the people that I knew. And I'd never heard Wendell preach. I'd been to his church. I'd seen the fruit of his ministry, but I'd never heard him preach. And the Lord just laid him on my heart, and I went and asked Wendell and Linda if they would come and be a part of our school. And uh, he helped start this Bible college. He was here in the very beginning when we had those fights the first year. And... Wendell has been a blessing. And then he left and went and actually uh, started our UK Bible school. And, and he and his wife lived in the UK for two years and started that Bible school. Then he came back here and was an instructor. And then he left and started a church. And then he ran Bob uh, Nichols Bible School, I think, for one year. And finally came back home. <laughs> finally got straightened out. And he's been with us. Ever since, I think that we're going to finish our race together. And uh, he actually directed this school for a, a period of years, and Gary was his assistant. And then uh, the school has just grown, and our world outreach, which is what we call the ministry of all of our other schools outside of Colorado Springs. We have it now at 18, I think, and we've got, we met with two people, uh, two different couples yesterday. I think we've got six new schools coming on in the next uh year or so and it just has grown so much 
that I said, you're going to have to pick between either Karis Bible College Colorado or World Outreach. And Wendell's heart is to travel the world and minister to people. So Wendell now runs our World Outreach. Gary uh, runs the Bible College here. And Wendell's been a great, great blessing. And he, like I said, has been around so long. He brings so much perspective with him that um, it just makes a huge difference. So this is the right reverend, most honorable, Wendell Parr. Thank you. That makes up for some of the abuse I take. <laughs> this is a gray school and Andrew goes out of his way to help us practice it. <clears throat> I have some tales I could tell also. Some of you have heard that uh, when we made it across the Red Sea, standing on the other side was Andrew with his three-tape series on how to be a water walker. Andrew said one time when God flipped the switch to turn on the light, I was there with him. And the first thing I saw was Andrew standing over in a corner saying, I'm blessed. So we're close. Andrew always tells the story that he invited me to kind of a miracle he invited me to come and be a teacher and never heard me teach and I always say the greater miracle than that was I'd heard Andrew and I came anyway <clears throat> so we we are growing old together actually for as old as he claims I am I'm in pretty good shape Made it up here all by myself this morning, unassisted. So. But it's, it's great to be with you this morning, and we're just excited about our visitors. And I tell you, this is a good place to be. I've been doing this a long time, not as long as Andrew says I have, but I have been doing it a long time. Matter of fact, not even as long as Andrew's been doing it, if that tells you anything. Uh, but uh, this, is, this is the most fruitful place that I've ever been a part of. The ministry here and the lives that we see transformed is just so exciting that uh, it just, it just, you can't hardly wait till the next day to get here. And then, of course, the, the role I'm getting to play now by being World Outreach Director, I get to visit all the schools and uh, to see the same fruit being produced in people's lives. And what that, what that tells you, it's not built upon a personality or one's personal charisma, 
But it is built upon the Word of God, and the Word of God is what's transforming lives. And so wherever we go, whatever country we're in, the Word of God is the same. And uh, it does the same work in each of our lives. And thank God for it. And I thank God for the day that Andrew called. And uh, for some of you students, and I just want to relay this to you because I can identify. uh, Some of you are here and, and God is really stirring you about coming to school. And yet there's all those things in the natural of why you can't. Uh, I know every one of you go through this struggle that there's always something that would keep you from doing it. Well, I got good news and I got bad news. And they're all the same news. As long as you walk with the Lord, you're going to have those obstacles to overcome. Because the devil's never just going to make it a smooth path. He's going to oppose you every time you make a decision to follow the Lord. There'll be an obstacle. There'll be a reason why you shouldn't. But there's more reasons why you should. And so some of you are in that decision. You're in the, you know, the Bible says that in the day in which we live, there are multitudes in the valley of decision. And the decisions you make will determine your future. And all of us are where we are now by the choices we made up until this point in time. But when Andrew called in uh, 1994, we'd been attending his minister's conference up in Buena Vista, some of the greatest meetings I, I was ever a part of. I wish we could recapture those, but, you know, that was a time and that was a season. But uh, as he said, I was tired of going to ministers' conferences. I'd been in ministry a good while, and I was fed up with ministers. I was even real proud to, to acknowledge that I was one because it was all this one-upmanship. And when I'd go to ministers' conferences, it was, uh, there was more activity out in the foyer than there was in the meeting room because everybody was out comparing numbers and uh, seeing what kind of car you drove, what kind of watch you wore, what kind of suit you had. And it, it was just this stuff that uh, was of no interest to me. Matter of fact, we were, we were at one minister's conference, and I, I saw this guy I'd seen the year before, and he came up. And first thing he said, well, how many of you running in your church now? And I just looked at him. I said, oh, about 1,500. He says, wow, that's, that's good. It wasn't that, wasn't that many last time, was it? And I said, no. Walked on off, and my wife pinched me. She's got a real gift of, of pinching. <laughs> Nobody else can see it, and they wonder why I go like that. <laughs> and she said, why did you just tell a bald-faced lie? You know we don't have 1,500 people in the church. We don't have but about 250 and I said, well, I said, we were running about 1,500. We just hadn't caught them all yet. So. But that's, that was the kind of stuff that I was just fed up with. So Pastor Bob Nichols started in about 1987 and said, you need to come to this minister's conference. And so I gave him a typical Christian answer. We'll pray about it. And most of you know what that means. It means you're not going to do it. So, so. Next year, he comes back around and said, well, you really ought to go to this minister's conference. It's really good. And I said, well, we'll pray about it, knowing I wasn't going. Next year, he comes back and he says, you ought to at least take Linda. She'd enjoy the mountains. If you didn't enjoy anything else, you ought to go for that. And I said, well, send us the information and we'll see about it. Well, the next thing I got, he had registered us, paid our way, and I was kind of obligated to go. And... uh, I was kind of dreading another one of those things of going through all the rigmarole and all of the comparisons and what have you. 
we drove up in front of the lodge up in Buena Vista and got out and went in. And here comes this guy, never seen before, come bouncing up. Hi, I'm Andy. <laughs> and I think, this is, this is what I'm coming to. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, the, the thing that I found there and the thing I found in Andrew and, and can testify even unto this hour, what you see is what you get. And that's what I love about Andrew and Jamie. They're real people. He lives what he teaches. There's no facade. There's no put on. And I tell you, it's a, it's a blessing to be associated with him. And I thank Pastor Bob Nichols for introducing me to Andrew. And, and I never would have dreamed that, uh, that I'd been working with Andrew. And, you know, God, uh, Lawson's talking about dreams and visions. And God puts those in your heart and then... You know, you immediately begin to try to analyze how is all of this going to work? How, how is this going to take place? And, and uh, what, what's going to happen? Uh, and, and what can I do to bring it on? And, you know, usually God doesn't do it the way you figure it out how it should be done. I don't know if you've uh, come up with that. But anyhow, uh, God had spoken to, to Linda first that, uh, he was going to send us to the nations, and we were pastoring a little church down in Texas, and and really didn't know how that was going to happen. But uh, anyhow, that was very real to Linda. It wasn't that real to me in the beginning. I was kind of happy just to pastor the, the church there. I was happy in what I was doing. We were having some success. We were seeing people born again, baptized in spirit, healed. We were seeing a lot of good results, and so I, w- I was very content. And uh, we had, uh, the church had grown, and, and uh, we had a beautiful facility. We had uh, bought some property outside of town. We built our dream home, because uh, I thought I'd be there till the Lord came back. And, and so that's, I was just settled in, happy. And then, uh, like I say, Pastor Bob invited us up, and we met Andrew. And uh, that first meeting... Uh, we came in, and there was a real strange guy that was a guest that Andrew had invited, which caused me to question Andrew in the beginning. This guy was, uh, I'd never seen anything like him in my life. He was laughing and joking and chopping and blowing and doing all kinds of strange things. And I didn't realize I had any religion in me until I saw him. <laughs> and then I became very religious. And so I was seated on the furthest back row you possibly could get on. Nothing behind me but the wall and this guy gets up and he's laughing and doing <laughs> all this stuff. And I'm thinking, what planet is this guy from? And I was thinking about Pastor Bob, how did he get me into this mess? And uh, so anyhow I'm watching this this character and then he looks back there and he says, That couple on the back row back there and God knows I'm telling the truth. I went. (laughs) Knowing there wasn't nothing but wall behind me. Anyhow, Linda's all excited. She grabs me and we go up to the front and he gets up. You guys. He said, God's calling you to the nations. And Linda goes, you know. It's either a pinch or an elbow. And then he does this. And we're out on the floor. And so it's a real interesting week as it progresses. 
And so he catches us during one of the breaks and he says, uh, you guys, God's calling you to the nations. And he said, I'm taking a team to Russia uh, in July. This was in October. And he said, and God said, you guys are supposed to go. And Linda said, yes, we're supposed to go. And I'm saying, I ain't going. <laughs> Folks, I grew up in the era that Russia was our arch enemy. I mean, people were building bomb shelters to protect us from the Russians. And any book I'd ever read about Christians in Russia, they were torturing them. They were standing them out in sub-zero temperature and pouring water on their head. And I'm saying, this boy ain't going to Russia. And I, I really, really had an ace up my sleeve because, number one, uh, we didn't have the money to go to Russia, so I thought I was pretty safe. And I just said, this is God. We're going. God's calling us to the nations. This is the opportunity. And I said, uh, okay, but we're going to make a deal. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> See, you, you always plan things out because if nobody knew, then they couldn't encourage us. And I said, so you don't tell anybody anything. And all the time I'm saying, we ain't going to Russia. This boy is not going to that place. And so it rocks on a few weeks. And one Wednesday night in our church service, we kind of had a different kind of church. And so Wednesday night, we, uh, we didn't have any planned program. We just came in, began to worship the Lord and whatever the Spirit wanted us to do. We'd, uh, you know, we just try to be obedient and... and uh, the gifts would operate, and sometimes we'd just praise the Lord for a couple hours, whatever God wanted to do. So that night, we're having church, and all of a sudden, here comes a message in tongues, which wasn't unusual, but the message in tongues itself was unusual because it started off in one dialect, real deep, uh, kind of sounded like an African dialect, I would think, and in the middle of the tongue, it changed to a high-pitched kind of an oriental deal. I thought, well, this is interesting. I've never heard a tongue quite like that. So everybody just sat and kind of waited. And in a minute, the guy stood up and said, Pastor, this is for you. And it says, the Lord says, not only are you going to Russia. (laughs) And he just named off all these other countries that we were going to. And I thought, wow. may be something to this going to the nations because we hadn't told anybody but I still had my ace up my sleeve because we still didn't have the money <laughs> so uh, he, he sat back down everybody's clapping thinking that was great and Linda's just grinning from ear to ear and then he stood back up and he said and oh by the way don't worry about the money I'm going to take care of that too <laughs> and the people just jumped up and ran up started throwing money and, and there was the money to pay for the trip, so we ended up going to Russia. Now, see, my little comfortable lifestyle at my nice little church that I could leave church and drive out to my place out in the country and kick up my heels and just relax and enjoy God, all of a sudden that began to kind of crumble. So we went to Russia and survived, and then uh, next thing you know, we were going to England, and then things began to happen. And then in 1994, Andrew calls and says, The Lord has spoke to me about starting a Bible college, and I believe you're supposed to be a part of it. Would you pray about it? Well, I got off the phone. Linda said, Who was that? And I said, It was Andrew Womack, of all people. 
And he thinks uh, we're supposed to come up to Colorado Springs and have him start a Bible college. And Linda said, we don't even have to pray about that. That's God. (laughs) But I believe we ought to pray about everything. (laughs) Because what I'm trying to say, we were in a, a comfortable place. A good place. Good things were happening. We were, we were ministering to people. And we were comfortable. And like I say, we just built our dream home. It was just something we had designed ourselves. And, and every, the church, uh, it had, we'd been pastoring 18 years, so we were pretty secure at what we were doing. And, and uh, everything was good. Kind of like Lawson and then Andrew. But you know what? We prayed about it and immediately I couldn't see myself staying in that church. For 18 years, I could never even imagine going somewhere else. And there were times I was wanting to go somewhere else. If you pastor very long, there'll be those days that you think, what am I doing here? These people don't like me. I don't like them. Why are we even going on? Some pastors wouldn't admit that, but I'll tell you the truth. There were days that, that I thought, God, this is, this is bad. All these people I'm going to have to spend eternity with. <laughs> so in the midst of that, we prayed. And, and like I say, I, I just couldn't see myself staying in that church. All I could see is us moving to Colorado. So we loaded up a U-Haul truck and uh, put our house on the market and uh, made the move to Colorado Springs. Now, the point of that story is this. It was a difficult decision to make in the natural. Yet, in my heart, in my spirit, I knew this is what God wanted us to do. And there was such a peace in pursuing that, even though my head was going nuts about how is this going to work? Because you know what? We didn't have one student yet. Matter of fact, I, we had driven over to Shreveport, Louisiana. Andrew was doing a meeting there, so we drove over and met with him, and I was wanting to get more details about the school. <laughs> you talk about well-planned-out school. Andrew says, well, I don't, I don't know. I've never been to Bible school. I don't know how you do a Bible school. I'm just telling you, God said we were supposed to start it and take the things that he taught us and teach them so they go teach others. Want a lot of information. But you know what? We had a peace. And and in our spirit, in our real person, we had a peace that this was God's plan and purpose for our life. And though nothing in the natural made any sense. Uh, And, and you know, if you're talking about finances, even at that time, I'd been senior pastor there for 18 years. And so we were doing okay financially. And uh, this was just a startup operation. So there wasn't a lot of income offered. And so, you know, all of those things. And the only reason I'm telling this is because in some form or fashion, you have to make that same decision. 
God is stirring something on the inside of you. This is what you really want to do. And if there wasn't any obstacles, you know for certain that you'd be here in this school the next time uh, the semester started. But there's so many of those things in the natural. But you've got to eliminate the natural. Now, God doesn't want you to be foolish. He, he doesn't want you to be dumb about this whole deal. But, you know, if God is really speaking to you, and that's where the peace is, when you see yourself staying where you are or see yourself here, where do you get the greatest peace? And that's the place that you want to follow. Let the peace of God rule your heart. And then when that peace directs you, you can just count on God. Because he'll take care of the rest of it. And, you know, we made that move. And, and it was, like I say, uh, we had a grandbaby there in Texas just a few miles down the road. And she was kind of our pride and joy. And so we were leaving that, leaving our house. We were leaving the church that we had started from scratch and then watched it grow over 18 years. We were giving up a lot. And yet we knew this is what God wanted us to do. But all the way from Stephenville, Texas to Colorado Springs, I was driving the U-Haul truck, and Linda was coming behind in the car, and uh, we stopped, we crossed where it says, Welcome to beautiful Colorado. We pulled off to the side of the road, and we got out, and she says, well, how, how, what are you doing? I said, I've been speaking in tongues and crying all the way <laughs> for 12 hours. She said, I have too. But you know what? That, that was, what were we doing? We were, we were overcoming the flesh. We were overcoming the natural mind and, and we were praying in the spirit and we were building up our spirit man knowing that we had heard from God. This was the right decision and that somehow God was going to work it all out. And so we made the move. Thank God for it. Uh, we look back and we laugh at some of those times, but when we were doing it, it wasn't always the easiest thing to do. But once you obey the Lord... There's a peace that passeth all understanding, and there's a fulfillment, and there's a contentment that money can't buy. And so I just encourage you, those of you that are here, and you're, you're deciding, you're trying to hear what God is saying, well, I want you to know, uh, you've got to bypass your head, and you've got to go with what's happening on the inside, and let this, the peace of God rule your hearts. And uh, you won't be sorry. Uh, this is a good place to be. It's a healthy place to be. Uh, the problem with most of our students, we can't get rid of them once they get here. <laughs> I mean, I look around and they just, they're still here. <laughs> it's just a good, healthy place. And, uh, but God is, is given opportunities. And as Andrew shared, we've got 18 schools now, five or six coming online the next year. And it's Andrew's heart. And, and we followed this policy up until now uh, that you have to go through three years of uh, our school to become a director of a school. And all of our schools, all 18 of our schools, are run and staffed by graduates of one of our schools. And it's working because you stay here three years and, and you get the message, you catch the message, you catch the heart of the message, you catch, catch the spirit of the ministry. And this is a unique ministry. I've been around a lot of ministries. This one's totally unique. Andrew is totally unique. There's not another one like him. Thank God. <laughs> he is the most legalistic grace man I've ever been around in my life. Never drank coffee. Can you believe that? I told him one day, I say, Andrew, I believe one of these days you'll have enough faith to drink a cup. 
But, you know, I've joined him now. I haven't drank coffee in a little over two years. And uh, when, I first, when we first started the school, Andrew used to tease me. He said, your, your hand's deformed from carrying a coffee cup. Because I, I used to drink two or three pots a day. But God's delivered me now. I'm becoming sanctified and holy like Andrew. I still refuse to drink Mountain Dew, though. I think one can of Mountain Dew and I'd be bouncing off the walls. It's full of caffeine and sugar. But he's got a scripture to stand on. You can drink any deadly thing and it won't harm you. So anyhow, I want to encourage you. This is, this is a good place to be. We have a lot of fun because you know what? We're doing what God has called us to do. God is in this place. He manifests himself continually. We see miracles of every kind. Every student we've got, every student that's come through this school has got a story to tell. And uh, I just encourage you this, these few days while you're here, talk to the students. Because they've all been where you are. They, at some point in time, had to make a decision uh, to change what they were doing and, and come here and make a change. So, with all of that said, I want to share just a, a, a little bit from Scripture before I sit down. But... Uh, you know, God has a plan, and, and I believe Lawson alluded to this. There's not a one of us in this room that's here by accident. There's not a child of God that was an accident. You know, in the natural, sometimes you hear parents say, well, we didn't plan that child. That was an accident. Well, in the family of God, there's no accidents. We're all here on purpose. By God's plan, by God's will, we're a part of the family of God. And when we showed up in the family of God, God wasn't surprised when we showed up. Now, some of your friends might have been surprised, but God wasn't surprised. And Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says that those that he foreknew, he also predestined. And religion has really done a number on foreknowledge and predestination and turned them into something that they're totally not. And uh, you'll find out when you come to this school, we don't do a lot of in-depth theological uh, theory and, and search. We, we kind of believe that the Word of God is, is uh, kind of in its simplest form. Uh, Jesus said that you'd have to become like a little child in order to really enjoy the kingdom. And you don't have, have to have a doctorate to understand the Word of God if, if Jesus says a child can understand it. So we just come in childlike faith. And so... When you look at these words, all that foreknowledge means is that God knows everything. From the end, from the beginning to the end, He knows everything there is. And of course, these things that we accept by faith, there's no way that we can prove that. But, but you wouldn't even be here if you didn't believe that we had a God that was awesome. And so He knows everything. And that, all that means is that God knew the minute that you were going to commit your life to Him. Now, he didn't violate your free will in that happening, but he knew when it was going to happen, and you didn't surprise him when it did happen. So he had a foreknowledge. And, and one of the ways you can understand God's foreknowledge is the fact that where God dwells, time doesn't exist. So with God, it's always now. We operate within, within time, and everything we do in life is, is dictated by time, but with God, time doesn't exist. So it's always now with God. And so God knows everything from, from the beginning to the end. He knew the exact moment you were going to say yes to Jesus. 
And when you came to him, the next word says that those he foreknew, he predestined. That means he just had a plan in place when you showed up. He didn't have to call a committee meeting in heaven and said, well, here's one I didn't see coming. What are we going to do with them? God had a plan in place when you came into the family of God. Now, the sad fact is that most of us didn't realize that. And it took us years, some of us years, to really uh, realize God really did have a plan for us. Even when I was a Baptist, I'd hand out gospel tracts saying God had a plan for your life, but that didn't have an impact on me. I thought it's just one of those religious things you do. But God really does have a plan for your life. And until you tap into that plan, you're not going to feel fulfilled. You're not going to be content. You're never going to have that peace that passeth understanding until you tap into His plan and purpose. And for every one of us, He has those individual plans. But for for all of us in general, He has some general plans. And that's what we talk about here in Romans 8, 29. Those He foreknew, He also predestined that they be conformed to the image of His firstborn, Jesus that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. So here's what God was saying in, in, in the simplest way I can explain this. God was so proud of his firstborn, he wanted all the rest of his kids to be just like him. And this is the plan and purpose that's general for every one of us that are children of God. He is working in us, changing us to, to be conformed to the very image of Jesus. And the purpose of this is God has chosen us to represent Him on planet Earth. That proves that God is a faith God. I mean, just look around. (laughs) You're it. He doesn't have another plan. We are God's plan to bring a revelation of God to planet Earth. And the reason that he wants us to be conformed to the image of Jesus is because Jesus lived that plan to such perfection that he can make this statement. If you've seen me, you've seen God. So God is is causing us to become like Jesus so that when people see us, they can see God and get to know God. You know, I, I, I believe that that God looked down upon us, and if you if you read the Old Testament, and we we've got a we've got a tremendous course here at Old Testament Survey. He's got an awesome instructor that teaches that. I say that tongue in cheek, since I'm the instructor, but it is good. Uh, you know, sometimes the proverb kicks in: "He that tooth not his own horn might not get his horn tooted." So. Uh, uh, but in the, in the Old Testament, we find, we find out as we go through there, the people of the Old Testament really didn't have a, a great revelation of God. They didn't understand God. And that's the reason you see so many uh, statements in there that look like it, it doesn't line up with what we know about God. It's just they, they weren't spiritually alive, so they couldn't comprehend God truly as God really was. And I believe God saw that people were having a, a difficulty of identifying with with a being that was able to speak this world into existence, that the Bible says could hold the, the earth in the palm of his hand, that casts the stars into space. And, you know, it's kind of hard for us to relate to uh, that kind of being. And I believe God saw that, you know, people are really having a hard time relating to me, so the only way that I, I think I can solve this is to become one of them. 
And so God, by his own plan, became a human being. And this had, this had a twofold effect. Now, not only could we begin to identify with God when we saw him in the flesh, Jesus, God incarnate in the flesh. Not only now are we able to relate to God by studying the life of Jesus, but now God in the flesh can relate to us as being in the flesh because God, as God himself, the Bible says he never slumbers or sleeps. That means he never got tired. Well, how do you relate to a God, to a being that doesn't get tired? But when Jesus came in the flesh, Jesus got tired. I I don't read anywhere in scripture that God got hungry, but Jesus got hungry. I can relate to that. Matter of fact, I was thinking about when when Lawson was talking about raising cattle, I'd have probably ate up my profits. (laughs) I began to have visions of prime rib when he was talking about all those cattle. About an inch and a half thick. Cooked medium. A little horseradish and all juice. A fully loaded baked potato. Butter and sour cream. Bacon bits and chili. A nice green salad with crumbly blue cheese dressing. We started it all off with a nice bowl of French onion soup with the cheese rolling over the side. Finished it up with either some good bread pudding or key lime pie. I'm not not real picky about one of those. God can relate to that, but Jesus can. That's the reason that when the prodigal son came home, the father said, kill the fatted calf. No chicken in this house, just prime rib. Hallelujah. (laughs) And just think, when we get to heaven and sit down at the banqueting table, no more worry about cholesterol. Hallelujah. (laughs) But Jesus came and became one of us. And he came into the world the same way we got here. He was birthed out of his mother's womb. And by God's own design, he grew up. Just like every one of us grew up. And the Bible identifies that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What was he doing? He was coming through every stage of life so he could relate to us at every stage of life. And so now we've got, we've got the Bible says, we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That simply means that Jesus walked this earth the same way we walk it and, and dealt with the same issues that we have to deal with. And came out victorious because he did what the Father told him to do. He was led by the Spirit of God. And now God turned right around and brought this plan to pass in us. Because we've got the same Spirit living in us that lived in Jesus. And Jesus made the statement, I only do what I see my Father doing. Where was he seeing that? By the Spirit. I only say what I hear my Father saying. He was hearing it by the Spirit. And now we've got that same potential in us. This is what God's plan is. That he is conforming us to the very image of Jesus. So that people can look at us and really be able to identify with God. And Jesus did it to such perfection that he can make the statement, If you've seen me, you've seen God. And I tell our students here, and I'll I'll just tell you, if you ever wonder about when you're reading through the scriptures and, and you see something said about God that doesn't quite line up with what you think, well, just go over and see God in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. So now when you go through there and you study the life of Jesus, you're getting a true picture because he was, the Bible says he was the express image of God. 
So this is how you learn the true nature of God. It's just look at the life of Jesus. And you never see Jesus going around uh, casting uh, a curse on someone or calling down sickness or destroying them with a storm or all of this kind of nonsense that theologians have tried to pin on God. All we've got to do is, is see the life of Jesus and we know the true nature of God. Now, God is at work in us by the Spirit changing us and conforming us to the very image of Jesus so that where we go, people can see the reality of God. And we're the only method that God is using in the earth today to reveal himself to a lost and dying world. We're it. And the plan is, Paul said it to the Romans, he says, don't let this world shape you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be not conformed or fashioned by the world. But be you transformed, totally changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, acceptable will of God. This is the process that every single one of us are in as we're walking out this life that God has called us to. The Word of God on the inside of us is changing us from the inside out. Religion has always worked the other direction, outside in. And how many of you know that doesn't work? But the Word of God on the inside of us, that seed that Andrew was talking about in the first session, plant that seed and as it begins to produce that change in us, what's going to happen is we're going to become more like Jesus every day. And and we can then say, as John the Baptist said, we must decrease in order that He might increase. And the more that we're changed and the more that we walk in the Word and the more we are obedient to the Spirit, the more Christ-like we become. And then our lives become this living testimony, this epistle read of all men. And people begin to see the reality of God in our lives. And we're to be radically different to what the world is. And yet the, the majority of the church world today, you can't tell the difference between them and the world. And so many churches nowadays are trying to look like the world, thinking if we look like the world, the world will come. Well, what have you accomplished? And so God is in the business. And, and Karis Bible College, it's not the only thing that's doing it. But I tell you, it's, it's one of the major things that we are, we are training our students by the Word of God that it's that personal relationship with God, and out of that should all ministry emanate. We don't, we don't teach you how to prepare your ministry. We prepare you, and the ministry just comes forth naturally. And we're seeing the fruit of it. And every one of our instructors, we don't, we don't go out and, and we don't have a curriculum, and we go hire people to teach the curriculum. We find the teachers that have a message, a life message, and that becomes our curriculum. And I tell you, every one of these instructors, and Andrew was bragging on them this morning, but I just want to ditto that. I've been around a lot of ministers uh, over the number of years I've been in ministry, and these people are genuine. They're touchable. We don't have a person on staff that has to walk in with armor bearers <laughs> that are afraid that if you touch them, they lose their anointing. Y'all seen some of those folks, and yeah, I'm not the only one that's, you know, Mr. Super Duper walk in and don't touch me, I'm under the anointing. And I say, well, why would I want to touch you if you weren't under the anointing? You're God. All of our instructors are real. They're approachable. Uh, and, and Andrew sets the, the trend for that because here he is, and, and Lawson alluded to this. Here's the president, the founder of Karis.
College and Andrew Womack Ministries. And yet he's here in the classroom. He's approachable. He's in the break room. He's up and down the halls. It's real, folks. What we're talking about, it's real. There's no facade here. There's no pretense. There's no, there's no smoke and mirrors. I mean, you know, that's becoming popular in churches nowadays. There's all the smoke, and I think, dear Jesus. Uh, anyhow, uh, this is a good place. This is a healthy place. And we got some real healthy people. Uh, and, and some great ministers. But just realize, God's at work in you. And you know, the work that God started in you, according to the scriptures, he's going to complete that work. And we're all somewhere in that process. Uh, and to quote our president and founder, none of us have arrived, but bless God, we have left. And we're on that path. And we are pursuing the plan of God for our individual lives and our corporate lives as a Bible school and as ministry. And I tell you, the future looks bright. I'm telling you, we've got nations all around the world that are saying, when are you going to plant a school here? We've got cities all across the United States saying, when are you going to plant a school here? And you know what? You guys are the only ones we've got that are going to be able to plant those schools. And so... Just, uh, you know, just trust God. Take a step of faith and watch what God will do. And I tell you, there's nothing dull about serving the Lord. This is the most exciting lifestyle that you could ever possibly live. I I don't know how in the world, and I'm glad people do it. Praise God there's people that do it. But I don't know how people come in and punch a time clock and do... We were just uh, not too... Back during the summer, I guess it was, time gets by quickly... We drove by uh, General Motors plant there in Arlington, Texas, and of course Andrew's from Arlington. And and uh, when I I was just a teenager when we moved there, and I had a lot of friends, and their desire was to go to work for General Motors because it paid good. And I had friends that for eight hours a day would stand there and put in the same four bolts, chum, 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 chum. next car, chum. I think I'd have just killed over and died if I had to stick eight hours a day sticking four bolts in a car door. I'm telling you, serving the Lord is the most exciting thing you can do. Sometimes you, you want to say, uh, uh, Lord, just I'm, I'm, I'm having a little too much excitement. Can we can, calm down? <clears throat> but let me encourage you. Just be obedient to the Lord. You'll never be sorry. And... Uh, The future looks good. Let me just remind you one more time before we dismiss. uh, We want our guests to uh, go out these doors to the right, down to the uh, uh, break room, find you a place to seat, and then we'll uh, proceed with our program. So once again, thank you for being here. If we can answer any question, we'd love to do it. The Lord bless you. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you back here tonight.